0: (laughs) Just a couple of kids today. That's okay. (laughs) You know, Um, it's important for us to remember because sometimes we get bombarded with just the day-to-day things in life and even just, you know, just kind of wanting a break, (laughs) right? But uh, that's probably why the Lord instituted the Sabbath so we have a day where we can just rest and refresh i'm i'm not i'm not that old i'm starting to get a little older and i'm noticing that there's just all kind of ailments little things all out of nowhere just always constantly fighting off a sickness or my back or My neck or my throat or, you know, I just found out the other day I have some pinched nerve where my belt line is. I I don't know what it was. I was like, Lord, is this testicular cancer? Do I have a hernia? What's going on? But we got to understand, church, that, you know, we're facing spiritual warfare daily. You see, Satan doesn't take a day off. And though we may want to take a day off or... Have moments where we can just kind of be on cruise control that's not the case for the believer because we are facing warfare on every front but I have encouragement we don't have to be afraid we heard those songs we, we sung them but do we really believe that do we really believe that I'm not fearing I don't have any fear I don't have a fear of what could happen to me physically I don't have a fear of what could happen. You know, you see all these commercials: buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. That that's a good investment. I get it. What what's going to happen when the uh, when our government stops to back the dollar bill? There's all kind of stuff going on. You know, China's giving natural resources and gas to, or excuse me, Russia's giving all their resources and gas to China. We know all these things that are that are playing playing out right now. Iran. <laughs> Is, is, is coming to a, a place of prominence in, 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 as a rogue country, and we know what they can do. But, but do, are, we, are we fearful of these things? Or do we take the mindset of, I know that God Almighty is in control. Amen. He's still on the throne. It doesn't matter what's happening within our government here and how it's falling apart and, 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 and at the seams. It doesn't matter what the other superpowers of the world are doing. God is in control. And if we study our Bibles, we know that it's going to get worse before it gets better. This whole pandemic, this whole mask, whatever, Whether you wear a mask or not wear a mask. I mean, people were getting so hot over that. People getting beat up and and, and hurt real bad over that. And even no matter what you stand on that, no matter where you stand on, uh, take the shot, don't take the shot. People are so up in arms. Let me tell you, it's not a a great tribulation if you can go to Starbucks and you can go to In-N-Out. A lockdown is not the great tribulation. Now, is that something that is going to segue? Is that something that they're buttering people up for when all this stuff goes down? I'm in the the camp that I believe that the church is going to be out of here. We're going to be out of here when it really goes down. But nonetheless, we should not fear church. We should take on the position of being children of the Most High God and understand the authority and the power given to us Through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, that we have all authority over any unclean spirit. They can't mess with us. It's only what we allow ourselves to come into agreement with. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Amen. I've witnessed this in my own life this week. I won't get into detail about what happened, but I was in a situation where I just sensed the enemy's presence. Whether it was my flesh or the enemy, I was getting attacked and I had the choice Do I either come into agreement with what I feel is oppressing me at the moment and tempting me? Or do I trust in the Lord? And I had to close my eyes. (laughs) I had to close my eyes in that seat and just repeat verses, scripture to myself. And and encourage myself of who I am, that I'm not that person, that I don't need to come into agreement with this. And, and, And I believe this verse is telling us plain and simple. No temptation has overtaken you and I that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will not let you and I be tempted beyond our ability. That means we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to break away from whatever it is that is trying to drag us away from the Lord. So I I want you to take a moment and think of whatever you've been battling this week whatever you've personally been engaged with in a hand-to-hand combat that's been trying to take you out and understand that you have the authority and you have the power within you through the Holy Spirit to break away from that. You can truly break away from that and you can endure. Amen? All right. Um, We are wrapping up chapter 3 of James this week. Um, and it's it's just it's a trip. Just the timing of the Lord. We know that Easter's coming up in two weeks, and Palm Sunday will be next week. So we'll be actually taking a break from the Book of James for a couple of weeks, and we'll be engaging in in that portion of Scripture. But this morning we're in James chapter three. We'll be going through verses thirteen down through eighteen. So when you get there, if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll go ahead and pray. Uh, excuse me, we'll read the, the, the text, we'll pray, and then we'll get into our message. Uh, this this message, this sermon is entitled, Wisdom from Above. Once again, James chapter 3, verses 13 down through 18. And it reads, Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Abba, thank you for this opportunity to glean from the truth in your word please make us to be peacemakers <laughs> we want to be those who are are, are meek and lowly in spirit that that we recognize our desperate need for you there, there there's nothing there's nothing good in this world there's nothing good in humanity you can study anthropology if and if you don't have the the, the, the backing and and and, and and the and the foresight of, of the holy scriptures, we're going to be lost. That's why so many professors in college they're they they they're seeking this humanistic uh, way of living, but that's false. Your word says that 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 human wisdom is demonic. It's not it's not wisdom at all. Father, give us revelation today. May we cling to you. It's not about all this other stuff. We need to know you help us to have true communion with you may it go far beyond just reciting verses in the bible but may we experience you on the deepest level of our inner person lord please reveal yourself to us this morning father we thank you and we praise you it is in the mighty name of jesus christ that we pray amen all right so last week we we looked at what it takes to tame the tongue. Oh, that was a hard message. It's <laughs> a hard message to preach, and you're not in the right mindset. Whether you're you're sitting down there or you're up here, you know we're gonna get beat up, and you know <laughs> some demons and to be like, "You're a hypocrite." <laughs> you're, no, you're not right. But again, right? The Holy Spirit does not bring condemnation. He brings conviction. And we we need to know the difference between the two. So praise God that if you were here last week, you got through the message, <laughs> and you came back again. But we learn what it's like and what it takes to tame the tongue, and we learn that at its core, it's a heart condition. Not a physical heart condition, but a spiritual heart condition. Again, the inner man, the inner woman, the, the, the core of who you are. That's where everything lies. That's where all the problems arise from, from your inner person. If, if your inner person is not right with the one and true God, then you're going to have issues. <laughs> no matter what the culture says. Because the culture dresses it up in all kind of ways, but but I just heard a message this morning as I was getting ready, and and, and I love how how the pastor was talking about. You know what? It, it's it, it's like uh, it's twelve noon at the OK corral, <laughs> and, and, and there's only two people on the road, <laughs> and it's those who stand for Jesus Christ, and those who are being influenced and led astray by Satan. I don't care what they call it. Because there's so many titles and names nowadays that we that we have in our culture that are saying this and that, but if it's not standing for the one and true God, the Jewish King, the King of the Jews, the true and living God, the Messiah, who's Yeshua Hamashiach, then it, then 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 it's satanic. It's satanic. It is. That's not an easy thing to listen to, and it's very offensive. It's very offensive. <laughs> People are offended by the truth, but, but just look to Romans chapter 1. What does it say? Humans love the darkness. And so unless we are ready to be exposed and let the darkness within us be exposed so that we can be clean, cleansed and scrubbed and washed white as snow, then we're going to be offended when we hear that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father but through Him. But that is the truth. One and one equals two, no matter what you want to say. It's the same thing. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. And you see, those who have submitted themselves under the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ will be able to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to tame the tongue. Notice that it's not in you. That's what the culture is teaching. It's all in you. You can do it. You have the ability, you have the strength, you have the intellect. iPhone, iPad, YouTube, all about me. (laughs) All about me. Bible is so counter culture. No, it's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit being imparted into your being that gives you the power and the authority and the ability to do something like taming the tongue. Just think about your life this week. How many times have, I'm not even talking about you, but how many times have you had someone speak to you or you have overheard conversations where the tongue needed to be tamed? Where somebody was talking out of the side of their neck, that they were out of pocket, that they were out of line in in, in the manner in which they spoke. And we have to understand, church, it's not just cussing and getting loud and yelling but a but a vindictive word or a word spoken in a way of sarcasm if you will that can be cutting and the remarks you see only the holy spirit can tame that individual's tongue the lord god almighty is the only one who has the ability to control the tongue while all those who willfully reject the finished work of Messiah Jesus on the cross, will speak words of deadly poison. That's it. That's it. (laughs) We're either going to speak words of life and words of peace and words of joy, or we're going to speak words of death and destruction and carnage. There's no in-between. We have to decide where are we going to stand. We were reminded last week of how followers of Jesus Christ should never bless some with our tongue while cursing others. You know, and I was convicted of that, you know, going on, uh, you know, just driving. (laughs) It's easy. (laughs) It's easy to lose control of your tongue when you're driving because not everybody drives well. It's like, what are you doing? I mean, people cutting over three lanes like I saw this dude Where I don't even know where I was at I, was, I think I was on the way to, to, uh, to the prayer group on Thursday night and this, this, this car was just didn't want to get off on the next exit but just wanted to cut everybody off and was stuck trying to get off on the exit and I'm just thinking to myself man this fool <laughs> you know but the Bible has something to say about that <laughs> You know, I'm in danger of, of, of hellfire by, by even thinking that and in my heart calling this person a fool. Again, the same tongue shouldn't bless some and curse others. Instead, I should have prayed for that man or that woman, whoever was in that car. Lord, <laughs> be merciful on that, on that sinner, on that person, because they're, they're acting out. But Lord, show them. Give them revelation of yourself. Show them that that's not right, what they're doing. But you see, when we we bless some and curse others, that's in direct opposition to God's order. He doesn't want us to live in that way. We were also given several examples of how a redeemed heart should only speak life and blessing into other people's lives. The person who is a new creation in King Jesus will not have perverse speech spewing from their mouths right Uh, sometimes i again you know we all do it we hear things and we hear people and just like ah have you ever heard someone talk and it just grieves the holy spirit in you you're just like gosh what, what why are you talking like that do you realize you know um I'll say it's another example. Me and me and my uh, me and one of my brothers, we were talking and I was leaving work, and you know it's like God bless you, bro. Love you, man. Peace. And and then <laughs> there was two other people that were walking to their cars, and you know, they were just talking and they were just using the Lord's name in vain, and it was just crazy to me. I'm like, man, I just I, I just blessed my brother here, and I'm going to my car, and the and and the and these young women are just they're just loose slipping and they're just using the Lord's name in vain. It's just. Such a sad thing. But again, when we're in darkness, we don't know no better. And that's what we do. Today, we will go a bit deeper and be reminded of where all true wisdom comes from. Godly wisdom. Where does it originate from? It originates from him. We're going to learn about that this morning. And how all other human expressions, all other human expressions Again, this is another thing where people get offended by How dare you say? (laughs) What I understand to be true is, in fact, demonic in its origin. Not from heaven at all, but from hell. Don't shoot the messenger. This is just what the scripture points out. We have several main points this morning, and the first one is this. A believer's good works should be revealed in meekness of wisdom now now please hear me we are not saved by good works we are saved by grace through faith so that no one may boast but understand as you are saved and being sanctified you and i should have good works that accompany our faith if not that's a dead faith we must have good works it's not enough to say i got my get out of hell free card And I'm just going to sit back and hang out and do whatever I want. That's not real Christianity. That is, um, that's just not, it's just not true. You see, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. How many people want to be satisfied today? I'm talking about satisfaction where, you know, you ever had a meal and it was so good and you were. I'm not talking about snacks, I'm not talking about knickknack snack. My wife is always like, you snack too much. And that's why you always eat, because you don't have a you need to have a good, full hearty meal. So your body is satisfied. Spiritually speaking, this is what Jesus was talking about. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth, and they shall be satisfied. So many people are not satisfied. Look at our culture. We're running and racing around for the next gizmo, the next gadget, the next this, that, and the other. And I'm not knocking, you know, whatever. You want to be an influencer? That's fine. Don't, don't look for that to, to satisfy you. Because people are like, I need more views. I need more followers. <laughs> I need more and more and more because I'm not satisfied. When will you be satisfied? <laughs> You'll never be truly satisfied until you give Jesus Christ a genuine, authentic chance in your life. And you say, Lord, if you're real, I submit my life to you. May you have full authority and reign and control in my life. And watch how you become satisfied. Because this world doesn't satisfy. Everything loses its luster so quick. It's like a Big Mac. You eat that thing. It's it's not great going in and it's definitely not good going out. (laughs) Just saying. But it doesn't satisfy you. It's not like a ribeye steak with some mashed potatoes and some green beans or something good that's going to really satisfy you and fulfill you. But spiritually, we need the satisfaction of Christ living in our hearts. You see, those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God will inherit the earth. Right now, it it seems that the world belongs to the rich, the dominant and the bold. But you see, Jesus flips the script right here. He declares that the true inheritors of the earth are the meek, meaning Here is the connection to those who have faith in Him. If we belong to the Lord, and since the Lord is returning to reign as King of the earth, as the true Messiah, then all who are His will inherit the earth with Him. Meekness is something which supernaturally comes from having a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. You can try to be meek apart from Christ. You might do it for an hour. You might do it for 48 hours. But what does the Bible say? What good does it do when sinners love one another? The sinners love one another and are kind to one another. What about when somebody spites you? What about when somebody gets under your skin and you didn't do anything wrong? Are you meek then? (laughs) <laughs> or do you you reel back? I'm going to give him one. I'm going to get him back because he did me dirty and I didn't do anything wrong. You see, meekness is what Christ was and is. When he went to the cross, when he humbled himself, when he allowed the Roman soldiers to spit on him and, and make a crown of thorns and mock him. And, and even even the, the, the religious leaders, when they said, well, if you're, if you're the king of the Jews, get down off that tree. You say that you came to save us? You can't even save yourself. What stopped Jesus from annihilating everybody right there, calling down a legion of angels from heaven and just, 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 just you're done? <laughs> what stopped them? Love, love, love compassion, understanding that. What did he say? Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do because he understood this was the only way that mankind could have the opportunity. I say opportunity because not everyone's going to take it. Remember, salvation is a free gift. You have to receive the free gift. He's not going to shove it down your throat. If you don't want it, you don't want it. If you don't want it, you walk the other way and okay, you roll the dice. You think hell's not real? You'll find out because one in one, we're all going to die. <laughs> now, now, I know, Mark, you say it a lot. If, if, if they're right and we're wrong, we still lived a good life and we did the right thing. We lived an honorable life. We were humble and we did the right thing. We lived a righteous life. But if you're wrong and the Bible's right, you're in for a world of trouble if you don't choose Christ. Because eternity doesn't end and hell. Forget the gnashing of teeth and that—that that is harsh. But the fact that to be apart from him for eternity, you see, it's not going to be a party in hell. Every voice, every soul that's going to be in hell is going to be cursing God. You can't deal with that for 10 seconds, let alone for eternity. Cursing, hating, mad, angry, violent, vile, disgusting, sick, destructive. That is what hell is. It's eternity apart from God. If we say we want to be satisfied, we want to be satisfied with Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, goodness, pureness, clarity of mind. That comes from God only. You see, true meekness takes courage. We must fight with ourselves to trust God's plan and his character. That's another thing that's offensive. What are you telling me? I'm going to fight myself. Yes, because your heart is deceitfully wicked. There's nothing good in your heart apart from Christ. I know that in my own life. Man, left to my own devices, I will destroy everyone and everything around me out of pure selfishness and greed. That's what we do. That's what we do. Look at your life apart from Christ and look at what you've done. It's not good. (laughs) But with Christ, that's when you can, man. You love people. You love people that you don't even know. You're like, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. You know, you're over here. Pay it back. I'm paying for this person's meal. I don't even care. It's all good. It's all love. It's all Jesus. You know, we want people to be saved. We want people to experience the joy and the satisfaction that we found in him. But it only comes by having the Holy Spirit living inside of you and me and us, us deciding, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to put myself at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to allow my life to be an open canvas, allow him to paint and create whatever he would will in my life. Not coming to Jesus with a whole list of this is what I want done. This is my plans. I'm the architect. No, you're not. Scratch that. We're going to change that. Change that. I'm going to chisel you into what I want you to be. That's what God says. You see, in meekness, again, it takes courage. We have to fight ourselves. We have to come out of agreement with our flesh and say, no, you sinful person. I don't want that. My flesh is deceitfully wicked, but with Christ, I can have true character. It's hard to be humble and patient when we can't fully understand his will. We'll actually win in the end, but we have to trust. And that's what faith, that's where faith comes into play. Think about Abraham, hundred years old, finally had the blessing of, of, of Isaac after you know he made the mistake of you know going with Hagar and Ishmael. It's a whole other subject, but then God says, "Take your take your son that you that your beloved son Isaac. He 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 said by name. God bless. You. He said by name. He could have said Ishmael, but he said Isaac. Take your son and take him up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him." kill him (laughs) as a as an offering to me abraham didn't even flinch he believed that even if he stuck that knife through his son's chest that almighty god had the power and authority to bring him back to life he believed he believed and he gave over everything that's like you and me god is asking you and i today to give up everything and give it to him Unless you give up your whole life to Christ, you'll never know what it means to truly live. As long as you and I hold on to bits and pieces of this life, we are in bondage to this world. You see, I'm 44 years old. And as you see on my face, my beard is starting to gray because I'm dying physically. It is. I don't care how much you exercise. I don't care how much you, I don't care how vegan you are. <laughs> I don't do this. I don't do I, I, You know, oh man, it's, it's, I, I don't eat no gluten. Give me all the gluten. I don't care. <laughs> you know, that's no offense to people that can't handle that or can't have that. I get it, the dietary restrictions. But the reality is we are dying by the moment. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that this is your home. And you're going to live here forever. This is a sober reality of what life is really about. It's eternal. Keep the eternal perspective. Don't live for right now. Because it's so much more than just this moment. It's impossible for us to receive the wisdom of God if we do not have a healthy, healthy, reverent fear of him. That again is offensive. I know people personally that I talk to about this, and they're like, "I just don't understand. He's a loving God. Why do I need to fear Him? I can't, I can't comprehend. I can't comprehend that." And I have to tell my brother, "Hey, man, you're very, you're very intellectually smart, but God defies human logic. Quit trying to wrap your brain around it, and just submit." <laughs> because my my brother's like, "Man, I can't figure. I don't understand it." But it's impossible for us to receive the wisdom of God if we don't have a healthy, reverent fear of Him. And it's impossible for us to have a genuine, reverent fear of God if we don't humble ourselves before Him and become meek. And we will never walk in the good works that He has planned for us long ago if we are not humble before Him. So as the Bible says, humility precedes honor. If you want to be (laughs) raised up, so to speak, you have to humble yourself. He will not exalt you and I until we humble ourselves. And again, with a pure heart and a pure motive, not not to be exalted so people can see you. I I say this every week. This is not what I chose I, I never wanted to be a pastor. I never wanted to be standing up talking about God, talking about Jesus to people. I don't want to be never want to be a Jesus freak. <laughs> but but you see, this is what the Lord does in your life, and then this doesn't have to be a pastor, but I'm saying the Lord will exalt you when you humble yourself. When you humble yourself, he'll take you places you never thought you would ever go. And you'd be doing things and blessing people and being a blessing and being blessed in ways you never thought possible. But it all starts with a humble humility and a reverent fear of God. The second main point. Man, I'm spending all these times just on these points. Don't worry, we'll get through. (laughs) The second main point is this. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are not from heaven, but are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic Okay, we have to go back to when Lucifer was in heaven, okay? AKA Satan. He wasn't satisfied in how he was created. He was created magnificently. He had so much blessing upon his character and his being. I mean, he was in the Holy of Holies playing music for the Lord. They said it's like he's a walking orchestra you know, (laughs) pipes and guitars and keys and, you know, built into his frame. And he he just would play this beautiful music. And he had he had this intimate uh, relationship with God Almighty. He was allowed to be in his presence and play for him. How amazing was that? But he was not satisfied in how Yahweh had created him in his discontentment. He became bitterly jealous of God. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 through 15 tell us, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mountain, on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Shiloh, to the far reaches of the pit. You notice how many times it says I in there? I, 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 I will, I will, I will, I will. Think about our culture. How many times is, that's the focus. It's all individualistic. It's all about I, me, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to, what I'm great at. How I can come up, how I can be exalted. How I can be raised up, how I can make a fortune. How I can be the center of attention. TikTok and Instagram and, you know, Insta, Insta gratification, it, all that stuff. It's there. It's plain as day to see. I'm so amazed why people are so spiritually blinded and they can't see the deception all around them. What are we engaging in, church? And far from Satan's bitter jealousy from it, From his bitter jealousy grew selfish ambition and pride. He wants power, but for all the wrong reasons. This is why every human being whom Satan is their father, they share the same characteristics. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Doing any and everything to climb to the top of what the world culture considers success. I know you see it, church. I see it every day. Everybody's trying to be somebody. Everybody ha- finds their identity in what other people see them as. I'm to the point in my life where I don't care what you think about me. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I'm not living for the applause of men. I'm not trying to be somebody in someone else's eyes. I don't need to, to accomplish something to feel like I've uh, done something. I just want to live a peaceable life And honor the Lord and do what the Lord calls me to do in my sphere of influence, and I'm content with that. But you see, church, this type of behavior is worldly, fleshly, and demonic. This is why we must know the truth, hide the truth in our hearts, and live it out daily to combat the foul and demonic nature of this world. This world is demonic. If you don't see the demonic influence all around you, then I dare say you need to grow more in your spiritual discernment and understanding of what's happening around you. Because it's only the Holy Spirit (laughs) that's at work within your life and within the lives of others that are saved and others that are part of the remnant that haven't been saved yet. And it's demonic oppression going on everywhere. It is. That's what is happening. All of the problems that we have in our society, and our government, and the world governments that are warring with one another and coming against Israel, really, if you want to get a temperature check of what's going on in the world, peep game on what's happening in Israel. Because what's going on in Israel will tell you what's going on on the prophetic timetable of God's line. It is. Whether you want to believe it or not, that is the truth. But it's all demonic. <laughs> it's all demonic. That's why these, these countries are, are, are ga- game, gaming together and trying to do this. because They're not doing it out of love. <laughs> they're not doing it out of a pure, sincere heart. They want power. They want control, just like Satan, just like their father. The third main point is this. A harvest of righteousness will be planted in peace by those who make peace. James has been describing the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom encourages us to be selfish and greedy and to put our own interests before the needs of others godly wisdom on the other hand leads to peace mercy and sincerity imagine fields full and ready for harvest the crop of this field is righteousness goodness and everything that belongs to god and everything that he would hope to see in the world but we have to ask the question how did it get there Well, this crop was planted by those who make peace. James elevates the role of peacemakers. I want to be a peacemaker. I pray you want to be a peacemaker too. One, the ones who are committed to living out a peaceful life with full confidence that God will provide for them. How many of you believe that God will provide for you? Well, then you're a peacemaker because he's providing for you. These are believers who know that God is meeting every need. And he gives many good gifts. You see, such people don't feel the need to fight against others for what they need. They don't feel the need to compete. They don't feel the need to, to, to measure, oh, well, I'm far above him, and I'm far above her, and I'm not as bad as him, and I'm not as bad as her. We don't do that when we're at peace with the Lord. Their peace-loving lifestyles lead to fields of righteous choices. You want to gauge where you are spiritually in your walk with the Lord. Gauge and reflect the choices you're making on a daily basis. If you're making more good choices than bad, then I would fair to say that you're becoming more spiritually mature. But if you're making poor decisions and you continue to find yourself in the same sluggish situation, wondering why, the, you know, put it like this. <laughs> if everywhere you go, there's strife. Uh, it's probably you. You're the only common denominator. <laughs> you're, you're the one. You're the one causing strife because it's following you wherever you go. So you gotta repent, get right with the Lord, and, and change. Have a have a different mindset. <laughs> Proverbs chapter three verse seventeen says, "Wisdom will lead you to a life of joy and peace." There you go, wisdom godly wisdom will lead you to a life of joy and peace well how do you get wisdom you got to have a reverent fear of god you got to first believe that god exists then you got to humble yourself before his mighty hand and acknowledge him and then this supernatural act will begin to happen in your heart and you know slowly but surely you're going to develop this and you're going to be like wow and you're going to have wisdom you know wisdom of the holy spirit don't go here go here don't be with that person hang with this person don't eat that eat this don't listen to that. Listen to this. Don't watch that. Watch this. I mean, it's 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 a supernatural thing that happens, but it starts with a reverent fear of God. Too many churches don't teach this. Reverent fear is a beautiful thing. Fear God, not man. Don't fear China. Don't fear Russia. Don't fear the Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> fear God, <laughs> and everything will work out in your life. Amen? All right, here we go. 13, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. This is great. <laughs> who is wise and understanding amongst you? You see, at the beginning of this chapter, excuse me, uh, the scriptures talked about those who were teachers and wanted to be teachers amongst Christians. There, James told us how they should talk. But here he is speaking about how they should live. So the question is posed, who is wise and understanding? The word Sophos, uh, wise, was the technical term among the Jews for teacher, scribe, or rabbi. It appears that James is still speaking to those who would be teachers. But this is applicable to every person. It's not just teachers. And we talked about this several weeks back. If you kind of really look a little more in depth, every believer is a teacher to some degree because you have you have influence. You have your spirit of influence and you're either going to lead people to life or death. So I know it's technically talking about uh, rabbis, teachers, you know, scribes, pastors, but apply it to your own life as well here. It's not only what we say that is that we should be concerned with, but how we actually live. The application is this. As important as the words we speak are, equally as important is your conduct and my conduct. Simply how we carry ourselves, how we live our lives out day to day. You see, if we desire to be authentic followers of Jesus Christ, our actions must line up with what we profess. We can't say we love Jesus and we hate people. It's like, oh, I love Jesus, man. I'm all about, I'm all about, (laughs) I'm all about, you know, whatever. (laughs) The scriptures, I'm all about the Bible. You want to come hang out? Nah, bro. You know, I'm, you know, always got an excuse. Can't hang out. You know, don't want to be around. Oh, you want to come to this event? Nah, man. I mean, I'm just going to chill at home, isolate, (laughs) kind of do my own thing, you know. Well, I mean, Christianity isn't being a Buddhist monk. You don't need to go you don't need to go to some mountaintop and you know have this experience where you're cut off from all of the world I love what Val used to say you know Va, Va would, I would always remember him saying this is a one another ministry we need each other it's the body of Christ we are to be engaged with one another we, we need to take interest in one another's lives it should be important to make sure to ensure that, that one another are well and when we're not well, that we come to one another's aid and help and intercede and pray and, and do actual, tangible things to be a blessing to one another. That is what it means to love Christ. You see, we as Christians, we shouldn't always be grumbling and complaining about people. It's easy to be like, man, the government sucks, the world situation sucks. Man, anarchy sucks. These, these, these lost people suck. <laughs> but we shouldn't be those that are complaining. We should be part of the solution. We should be intervening and loving on people and showing them what it looks like to live a godly life so that they can be, see the appeal and be like, man, I want that. Because, keep it real everybody's struggling, everybody's going through it, no matter people admit it or not. And the reality is, if they don't see the love and the light of Christ in your life, they're not gonna be turned on to be like, well, what is this actually about? Can this be real? But if you're living a life where, man, you're really being a blessing, you're really living a life that's full and full of joy and full of peace, despite your circumstances, and people around you see that, They're going to gravitate to the Holy Spirit in you and they're going to want what you have. But it's a matter of living out what we say and what we do and they actually connect and they're not two completely opposite things where it's like, dude, you're just a hypocrite. Example, you know, my son had a substitute teacher this week. I'm not going to bash on the substitute teacher, but I do believe my son. And he was like, man, this teacher was mean. (sighs) She kept telling us, be quiet, this, and that I know your kids can be unruly. So I give the teacher a benefit of the doubt. But he was like, she said something. She said, put all your cell phones away. My son did not have a cell phone, so I don't know who what second grader got a cell phone, but whatever, I get it. You know, whatever. Put your cell phone away, da-da-da-da. And then he said later on in the day, he said they were they were they were doing work, and you know, the kids got up to do something, one of the students, and you know, she's on her cell phone. <laughs> She's on her cell phone just doing whatever. I know in my work that we have a no cell phone policy. They're like, we don't ever want you to be on your cell phone for no reason unless it's an emergency. And if it is, you better tell uh, your supervisor so you can go to the side and do what you got to do. But, you know, we got a lot of people that give money and this and that. They don't want it looking like that. You're working with special needs people. Get off your cell phone, man. Be engaged with the people. But again, I use that example because the teacher's telling these kids, don't be on your cell phone. <laughs> and, yet, and yet she's on the cell phone, you know. So it's like we, we, we want to make sure what we say, it's actually coming through in what we do. I talk about this all the time. I want to live the sermon. This is the easiest part is to preach it. I want to live this out in my day-to-day life. It does me no good. If I'm saying all this up here, but then I'm living a completely different way once I leave this building, it doesn't make any sense. It's foolishness. It's demonic. <laughs> all right. Who is wise? Let him show by good conduct. You see, wisdom is not merely head knowledge. It is not just in intelligence or intellect. It is much more than what we have memorized by rote. You know, again, I'll use the example of my my son and, you know, his teacher, not this one, but his main teacher. And she was very impressed. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not putting my son on a pedestal. I'm I'm just grateful that, you know, the Lord's given him wisdom at such a young age. But she said a lot of second graders, they read the words, but they don't comprehend what the words mean. They can read it, but they're not comprehending. They don't understand what they read. And for us... Wisdom is not about memorizing things by rote. You can read the Bible day in, day out. But if you don't have the revelation of the Holy Spirit helping you discern what you're reading and having that move of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can recite all the verses you want. But there needs to be revelation that really changes and ratifies and and, 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 and annihilates the old man and, and, and erects the new man in your heart to where... It's far beyond just memorization. I'll be the first one to admit I'm horrible at Bible addresses. But if I need the word of God in a heartbeat, I know a ton of verses that the Lord has shown me and revealed to me, and I can spit it at a demon in a heartbeat. Because it's not just memorization. It's it's the revelation of this is real. That That he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. That perfect love casts out all fear. I know that to be true. It's not just an intellectual thing, and, and I teach this to my children and, and, and my wife because we need to know these things. We need to know this church. This word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts to the heart of everything. You have victory in Christ, but it has to go beyond. It's just not. It's just not school. It's not like, well, I'm just here just to you know pay my tithe and give my offering and make myself feel better so i'm i'm you know i can go out and sin now all week because i came to the church house on sunday no it has to be this this thing where it's like man more and more i just i'm living for god i i just want him to be my portion and and i want my life to exude the the, the life of christ it has to become that real to us church you see real wisdom and understanding will show out in our lives by our good conduct It's going to be revealed in how you and I live and how we act and how we treat people and what we say and what we do. In this sense, wisdom and understanding are like faith. You see, they are invisible inner qualities, but they will manifest themselves and they will be known. If a person considers himself to be wise or understanding, one should expect that this invisible inner quality would show itself in regular everyday life. It's going to come out. Whatever's really in you is going to spew out, whether it's good or bad. It's going to come out of you. Here, James told us how to judge if a person really is wise and really does have understanding that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. You see, true wisdom is evident by its meek manner. Those who do their good works simply to bring attention to themselves, show they lack true wisdom. If we're doing it all for show, that's not that's not wisdom. <laughs> that's not wisdom. You know, we want to be looked at a certain way. Oh, you know, yeah, blah blah. Nah, man, that's horrible. That's not that's not why we do this. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were they were praying out in the public. You know, big show of hands and using these extravagant words and oh, you're so spiritual, you're so righteous, you're, you're the leaders of the religious world, you're the, you are, you are, you're the people we look up to, but they didn't do it to honor the Lord or to be a blessing to people. They did it so they could esteem themselves. That's not good. Let another person's lips exalt you and not yourself. Do not speak on yourself in a manner where you're, you're, you're giving honor to yourself. Take the lowly road and humble yourself and allow the Lord to move you into that position as he sees fit. And then you and everyone else will benefit so much more by it and you'll live a peaceable life. So many people in our, in our culture want attention. I'm grateful that I learned this a long time ago. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I don't want people poking and prodding at my every move and the paparazzi everywhere and you have no peace And they're always taking pictures of you. That's horrible. That's a horrible lifestyle. Look at those people who are Hollywood stars and movie stars and music stars. And nine times out of ten, those people have no peace. They got hit records. They got a a gang of Grammys, a gang of Oscars. But their lives don't have peace. They're chaotic. There's chaos everywhere. Broken homes, broken marriages, broken inner lives. That's not how you want to live. It's a sham. It's a lie. Praise God for those that do those professions that actually are God-fearing people. Praise God that they're able to stand up amongst such craziness, but that's not for me. I, I don't want that. You see, we can never... Even begin to experience true godly wisdom if we don't first possess a healthy, reverent fear of God first. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. He will reveal his own insight to you if you begin to fear him. If you begin to have a reverent respect for him and you consider what he would have you to do instead of what you want to do. You'll begin to get insight that you could never get from anyone or anywhere else. Meekness. Remember, meekness is not weakness, but rather power under control. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Even our Messiah, he says he's lowly in heart. He's meek. He's gentle. He's kind in how he deals with things, how he deals with people. He's not just wrecking Ralph, you know, breaking everything you know, I mean, he can, you know, turn over the money changers tables and all that. And, you know, he, the wrath of God will come upon this earth at some point. But, but, you know, the characteristic that we're talking about here is the meekness of God. The fact that he is gentle and he's very deliberate in what he does and how he does it. That's, that's something for us to remember and, and aspire to be like. Amen. All right, here we go. 14 and through 16 it says, "But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice." Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. This is the exact opposite of meekness and wisdom. The exact opposite. These words actually refer to someone who has a critical, contentious, thought-provoking, not thought, but a fight-provoking manner or spirit. Someone who's always trying to get into it. (laughs) Always coming to cause division and chaos. In in our context, when James wrote this, this is this was how the majority of the Jewish religious leaders were. They were contentious with Jesus. They were jealous of him. They were jealous of him. They're like, We're the ones. We have the we have the Mosaic covenant. Aren't you so glad? I can't get into the Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic covenant, but aren't you so grateful that we're not under a workspace thing? <laughs> we're not under a works workspace. We can't even keep it. We can't keep one commandment. <laughs> that Mosaic covenant was meant as a foreshadowing of the true fulfillment in Christ Jesus in the Abrahamic covenant, which is, you know, uh, it, 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 it's not conditional. It's not based on what you and I do. It's based on what God did. But these religious leaders were like, no, we have all these rules. They had the crazy rules and had hands up like this and the, the, the water dripping down the hands. And man. Just crazy stuff, man. Just to eat, and you can't do this, you can't do that. The Sabbath is like, man. Can I do anything? Can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> is that a work? <laughs> I need a day I don't know. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I'm just saying it was that raw. They made rules upon rules upon rules, and we cannot keep those rules. But they were jealous of Christ because Christ came to fulfill <laughs> the Mosaic covenant. He said, "No, it's not work based. Just receive." my spirit through through grace and mercy that I give to you. Instead of receiving the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, they instead became threatened by him. Basically, they were more concerned about losing their position of influence and power rather than being corrected and set on the narrow path. They were bitterly jealous and full of selfish ambition, just what our scripture says. A side note, but I think it's important to point out, It's extremely important for us to understand as Gentiles that without the Jews rejecting Jesus Christ, we would never be saved. This, again, is one of those mysteries of God. You see, in his infinite wisdom, he knew by his chosen covenant people rejecting him, that would open the door for all other people, groups of the world to have the opportunity to be saved. That's a beautiful thing. So, again, We're grateful and we also pray for the Jewish people that they would come to know Jesus as their Messiah. And they will, but they're going to go through much tribulation. It's going to be a difficult time before they receive him as their Messiah. Romans chapter 11 verse 25 tells us, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, a partial, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's the whole reason why the earth is still here, really. You know, once, once the fullness of the Gentiles is saved, then the final tribulation is going to come. We're going to get raptured out of here. And then it's really going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty bad. It's really going to be hell on earth. It's going to become satanic. This is nothing compared to what it's going to be like when the church is taken out of here. You know, the the, the one who is holding back all of this satanic activity, as bad as it is right now. The Holy Spirit is holding back all this satanic activity from just overflowing and flooding this world. That's going to happen when we're removed. When the church is removed from the earth, then it's going to be very bad here. You don't want to be part of the population on earth when that time comes. Do not boast and lie uh, against the truth. Anyone who is full of bitter envy and self-seeking is deceived about how wise they think they are. This, uh, this kind of wisdom, again, is, is earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. Their wisdom is more characteristic of the world, the flesh and the devil, than God. It's all about them. It's all about what they can do now. We see this everywhere today. Many people are being led by either their intellect, their will, or their emotions. This is what comprises a person's soul: your mind, your will, and your emotions. Right? This is how God created us. We have to understand that we are tripart beings. Right? We we have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. We have a spirit, and we have a physical body. That's how you and I were created. Because of the fall of man, when sin entered the world, apart from the Holy Spirit, we all live soulish lives meaning sensual lives we are governed by our soul we are governed by our mind will and emotions that's why you see people either boast in their intellect and i'm not knocking anybody that goes to a college and has a doctorate and has all this and that but i don't care how many i don't care how many initials you have at the end of your name that does not make you wise Some of the foolish people in the world are those that have all these doctorate degrees and master this and valedictorian this and sumo cum laude this and that. Not knocking it, just saying, keep it real, some of those people are pretty dull. They're not that smart. Mm -hmm. Or they're directed by their emotions. It's all about emotion. Oh, man, you know, they, they wear, you know, that term, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Governed by that. Or they are driven by their sheer will. People that I will will it into existence. I will make it happen. I will do it. It doesn't matter what knocks me down. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to get it done. That's being led by your soul. It's only when our spirit... Witnesses the Holy Spirit to then when we are awakened to walk in the revelation of who Yahweh is. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So you see, it's a supernatural act. And if it's not a supernatural act, we're walking in the flesh. We're sensual people, and we don't want to be that. This wisdom that James refers to was not really wisdom at all. It is the wisdom claimed by the would-be teachers whose lives contradict their claims. Such wisdom evaluates everything by worldly standards and makes personal gain its highest goal. Earthly, sensual, and demonic. Earthly meaning having this life only in view. Basically, y'all young people know about this. Live your best life now. I know you've heard it. I'm aged, but I hear it all the time. People are like, live your best life now. Live your best life now. Get yours now. What are you talking about? Yeah, you live your best life now because you know you're going to hell later. You don't have another life to go to, so you better get it all now. <laughs> you got people doing all kind of crazy stuff because they're trying to get it in now because they know they don't know what's going to happen in the future. You're not coming back as a locust not coming back as a chimpanzee you're not coming back as a butterfly all that nonsense is demonic it is it is, it's straight demonic Buddha when he died said you search for enlightenment, he didn't find it and I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying it is what it is, people get offended oh respect every other, you know what I'm not respecting some demonic teaching I'm not, I don't care what anybody says, I'm going with what the word of God says and call it what it is Sensual, having for its object the gratification of the passions of the flesh. Sensual, people all about the flesh. Demonic, demonical, inspired by demons, fallen angels, and maintained in the soul by their indwelling influence. People who are influenced by doctrines and teachings of demons. That is not a good thing. That's why you need to know the Word of God, study it for yourself. Ask the Lord for wisdom and discernment. Ask him for his favor. Ask him for his anointing. So then you can be able to rightfully divide what's going on and be like, okay, that's the word of God. That's cool. This is demonic. I'm staying away from it. Don't play with Ouija boards. Don't do tarot cards. Don't read your horoscope because that's demonic. Some dumb mercury news thing on Tuesday is not going to tell you what your life's going to be like that day. That is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. Don't do that stuff. Don't say I'm a Pisces. Don't say that stuff. Don't say you're a Sagittarius. That is demonic. It is not right. It is not okay. You see, confusion and every evil thing. This is the fruit of human will. It's earthly wisdom. The wisdom of the world, the flesh, and the devil may be able to accomplish things... But always with the ultimate fruit of confusion with every evil thing. The application is this, church. Whenever you find confusion, Satan and his demons are very near. Just look at what's going on with the attack of our young children. Just look at what's going on with our young children in this world. Not just this nation, every nation trying to confuse them that they can change their sexual orientation at eight or nine years old. That they can take hormone blocker pills to stop the body's natural puberty growth pattern. That has Satan written all over it. Don't you dare tell my young boy he can be a girl if he wants to. All he has to do is ask the doctor to take uh, these sexual pills. Uh, Because American Girl, I don't know if you guys know who American Girl is, that company that makes all those dolls. They came out with a book last December, and it talked about that. And they targeted it at girls that were 8 to 12 years old and said, you can go to your doctor and ask for these pills that can stop the process of your puberty. So if you want to decide to be a boy, you can do that. That is demonic by nature. That is satanic. That is confusion. You're confusing these little kids, man. They don't need to be knowing about all that. They don't need to be, you, you were made like that. There's something very wrong with that. But you see, I don't want to harp too much on that because I want to stay on the positive. <laughs> Instead of the confusion, we want the clarity that comes from Jesus Christ alone. Revelation chapter 3 verse 18 tells us, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments so that you may be clothed, so that you you may clothe yourself. And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and slav to anoint your eyes so that you may see. We need Jesus Christ to reveal to us what it truly means to see clearly, to see things for what they are, or less not we will be deceived. And you got so many people like, no, it's all good. Just just include them in this and that. I pray for every person that has any kind of condition. But I'm not going to sit here and say that it's okay. I'm not going to excuse sin just to be politically correct. I'm not going to excuse sin just to say, no, we can all get along. No, we can't all get along. Because God's way is the right way. And if you're going the wrong way, you're going to hell. That is the truth. We're going to do it in love. But you know what? There's a time and a place where the church needs to take a stand and be definitive on stuff. The church is so wishy-washy nowadays. They don't want to talk about sin. They don't want to call sin, sin. They want to say, everybody can be saved. You can't be saved unless you submit your life to Jesus. And you walk in it. An intellectual belief of Christ is not enough to be saved. Even the demons believe that Jesus is the Messiah and they're not saved. So don't tell me that I can just say Jesus is my Lord and that's it. But I'm living like hell every other day. All right. Last two verses. Last two verses. (laughs) Not putting a time limit on the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being patient. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I love how every time the word just, you know, we hear the bad, but then it always ends with the good. (laughs) Always ends with if we choose life, this is what you receive. This is so good, church. But the wisdom that is from above. You see, God's wisdom also has fruit. We see here exactly what the fruit of meekness looks like. First, pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The application is this The character of God's w- godly wisdom is wonderful. It is full of love and a giving heart, consistent with the holiness of God. The wisdom of God is first pure. This reference speaks to the absence of any sinful attitude or motive. It's pure, it's righteous, it's true. It's not untrue. The wisdom is then peaceable. This is one of the great words of the character descriptions of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He's He's the prince of peace. He brings true peace. This world is, is seeking peace, but they're they're on the eve of destruction. All they're doing is they're going to kill one another more and more. They're going to get rid of the cash system and they're going to create this one world order that's been in, in the works for hundreds of years. It's basically the Tower of Babel all over again. And that's what they're doing. That's not going to bring peace. They said they don't care if it's even the devil himself, as long as they have one man that that will lead them. That's what the nations of the world are doing. So they need to repent. They need the presence of the Holy Spirit to fall upon them and that their plans be broken, because if not, many people are going to hell. You see, he is gentle and kind, although in reality, Jesus has every reason to be stern in punishment because of their sin. Like Noah all over again, you wicked generation. How God grieved in his heart for even creating man because of the wickedness that was so raw within mankind. And yet still, he gives of himself and says, trust in me, I died for you. I raised myself from the dead for you. I laid my life down. Nobody took it. I laid it down so that you could have redemption in me alone. Speaking of Jesus Christ, choose Christ today, church. This wisdom is gentle, a.k.a. sweet reasonableness. It is the ability to extend to others the kindly consideration we would wish to receive ourselves. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. It says, a husband not hating his flesh and loving his wife like Christ loves the church, laying his life down for her and for the wife to respect her husband and honor her husband. This wisdom is open to reason. It is not stubborn or obstinate of a yielding disposition in all indifferent things. Basically, it's the opposite of being stiff-necked and unbending. Obviously we we are not open to reason when it comes to fundamental doctrines such as Jesus Christ is the only son of God the Father and the only one who can forgive sins and save a person's eternal soul. We don't we don't negotiate that. That's non-negotiable. That is what it is. But it but in matters of understanding people's dispositions and being aware that they may not progress as fast as we would desire them to be In the things of God, this is the wisdom to not cram the Bible down someone's throat, but to administer the truth of the Holy Spirit as he leads. And me and Daniel were talking about this earlier. It's not just inviting someone to church because sometimes that can be soul and callous in the sense of get to know the person too, take an interest in their lives. Try to open up yourself to the person and and forge a relationship. That way it's not just come to this event. I'll come to this church function. It's like, okay, that's cool. But like, what about me as a person? Do you care about me? Engage with one another. And that's where the Holy Spirit will come into play in that as well. This wisdom is full of mercy. It does not judge others strictly on the basis of the law, but will extend generosity in a hand of generosity full of mercy. This wisdom knows that the same measure of mercy we grant to others is the same measure God will grant to us. Matthew chapter seven, verse, tw- verse two, excuse me. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I have a few more points and I'll be done. This wisdom is full of good fruits. This wisdom can be seen by the fruit it produces. This isn't just the inner power to think and talk about things the right way. It produces good fruit, Right? Nobody cares about how much you know until they know how much you care and they see how much you care by how you treat them and how you live and the good fruit that pours from your life. This wisdom is without partiality, without judging. The judgments of this godly wisdom is devoid of being unfair, meaning it takes all things into consideration before it comes to any conclusions. We, we, we hold our tongue and we listen. We, 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 we weigh out all the evidence before we make a judgment on something. This wisdom is without hypocrisy. It never pretends to be what it is not. Godly wisdom is acting always in its own character, never working under a mask. We're not trying to deceive. We're not slithering around, acting one way and being deceptive in another. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. This fruit is like a seed that will bear fruit as it is sown by those who make peace. Luke chapter three, verse eight, bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Romans chapter six, verse 22, it says, but now, that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And I'll end with this last verse. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, God's wisdom is practical in its application. It's not up in the sky. It's right here down the earth, and it touches your life and my life. May we be those who truly trust in the Lord and walk in meekness of wisdom instead of walking in selfish ambition and and bitter jealousy. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you once again just for uh, the revelation of your word. You're the only one that can reveal truth to us, and you're the only one that can set it in place within our hearts. Father, I pray that as your word has gone forth, you would do a mighty work within every individual here and help us to, again, truly trust in you and know that you are the only way that we can ever truly be satisfied. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.